This is Creative Sobriety, where we are crushing stigma through conversation. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode one of the Creative Sobriety Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we are speaking with Mary Broom. Mary is an amazing artist, a great friend, and one of the most positive women I know. We've been friends for years, and she was incredibly supportive when I told her about my choice to go sober. I was absolutely thrilled when only a couple months later, she started her own sobriety path. Mary tells us about a night in Nashville when she had been questioning the role of alcohol in her life, and a storm knocked the power out in her apartment. For Mary, it was the perfect analogy and an obvious sign. Alcohol had been taking her power away, and she was ready to take it back. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to my dear friend, Mary Broom. Enjoy. So we are so thrilled to have the very lovely Mary Broom on the podcast today. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. Full disclosure, Mary is one of my very best friends. So it's only fitting that she should be the first guest that we have on the show. So uh, Mary, tell us your name, age, where you live, um, what are your creative outlets, and what is your sober date? Okay, so my name is Mary Broom. Um, I live in Nashville. Uh, I'm 37, and I started painting and doodling last year after I got sober, uh, and the date was May 6, 2020, so almost a year. Wow. So by the time this podcast is live, you may very well have one year of sobriety, so Congratulations. That is huge. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) You've been a support for me too. So it's been really cool that we've been kind of on this same journey at the same time. Like I'm so grateful for that. There's a reason for that, I think. So yeah, that's been really cool. Um, Okay. Well, I definitely want to talk about all of your creative endeavors and all of that. But first I want to dive into uh, your drinking story and your story with alcohol. So, you know, in your own words, tell us a little bit about your drinking history. Um, You know, when did you start drinking? How did it progress for you? When did you realize maybe you needed to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol? And then finally, when you decided um, it was time to stop. Disclaimer, my dog just came in the room to drink some water. So if you hear those little animal noises, that's her. (laughs) We love animal Um, noises here. It's all good. So I was a really good, like, by the books kid I was in I was a band geek in high school and while a lot of people around me were starting to drink I I didn't want or care for any of it so it wasn't until I got to college um, I was I'm from St. Louis went to school in Kansas City and I was living in an apartment like near campus so I wasn't in a dorm but it was I was around a lot of kids who were freshmen just like me and um, and my roommate and I were like had a lot of the same classes. And um, so she had invited a group over and it was just one, one night for 
freshman year, first semester, like I had a Malibu rum and, and orange juice, I think was probably my first drink. And, you know, didn't love it, but didn't hate it. And I just kind of started socially drinking with, with them because that's what they did, you know, and we would go to parties to meet people. And, um, we just, I, I never really, you know, loved the taste of alcohol or felt super excited to be drinking, but it was what everyone else was doing. And it's the college experience, I guess. So, um, I started dating someone who really didn't care to drink. And so it was really in social situations that I would have a drink. Um, and then senior year of college, I started working part-time at a law firm and that's what everybody did for fun was go out and get drunk. And so around that same time, I turned 21 and I start like going out legally (laughs) because I can and, you know, start kind of getting drunk fairly regularly with my friends from the law firm and then friends from school. Um, it never like inhibited my studies or schoolwork or, you know, it didn't, it was never a big problem, like in, in that sense. Um, but after I graduated from college, I went to grad school and, and again, that's just what we did for fun. It was in South Bend, Indiana. So there aren't a ton of options, (laughs) you know, of things to do there. So it was like every group I was in, that's what everybody wanted to do. So that's what I did. And it just kind of continued that way all through my twenties, like from grad school at Notre Dame, I went to UCLA and same story. Everybody drank because that's what you did to entertain yourself. And then, you know, it just, it really got ingrained in me as a habit that I did with my friends. Um, It wasn't until I moved to Nashville almost 10 years ago that I brought it home and it became like something I did to keep myself busy or something I did to combat bad feelings or like to fill time, you know, and and that's when it really started feeling like something that needed to be looked at. Um, so yeah, I guess I had thought about quitting like several times, um, over the years and I would go out and get drunk with my friends because that's what you do in Nashville. (laughs) That's what I had gotten used to doing. But then I had also gotten used to like pouring myself one or two ginormous glasses of wine at the end of a work day and not going out with friends, just just, just kind of getting buzzed by myself. Um, and so I would think about quitting like here and there, but then I would fall back into the habit. Um, and it was a very comfortable routine. Um, and then finally last year, uh, in January, I did dry January and that was the first time I took time off from drinking since college, probably like, it was a long time that I had alcohol in my life. Um, and I felt so great. It was really hard to get over those first two, two and a half, three weeks until finally, you know, I was able to break the spell and like break the habit. And I felt so good and so light. And I'm like, okay, I can do this again, or I could keep this up. 
but I didn't want to, I didn't want to limit myself or limit my social options. Then I started dating someone and we started going to happy hour. You know, we were going on dates and that's just what we did in February. So it wasn't dry January anymore. And I felt like, okay, I have permission to start drinking again because I'm dating this person who wants to go out drinking and, and it's okay, I'm doing it socially. And then COVID happened and we broke up and everyone's in quarantine and there was a tornado <laughs> and everything changed. And I started self-soothing with alcohol at home again. So the cycle repeated itself and I fell back into the habit. And um, it was in May of last year that there was, a, it was a Sunday afternoon. I think I even texted you like, oh, it's a beautiful day. I'd love to have a can of my favorite sparkling wine. And you had already stopped drinking by that point, but you were still, you were totally supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up going out for that can of wine. I drank it at home by myself. And as soon as I finished it, I mean, within minutes, I felt myself just drop. Like mentally, physically, I felt the effects like in a different way. And what was really interesting was a storm came through. <laughs> that same afternoon and took my power out. And I've always connected the two, like alcohol took my power away. Wow. And so, um, yeah, a couple days later, I was staying with my sister who lives here um, because my power was out and they were celebrating like Cinco de Mayo, which is their wedding anniversary. And we wanted to drink together, but I, I just didn't, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't have a taste for anything. And I was still feeling that sense that like, it's time, it's really time. So I did have a couple glasses of wine with them. And then the next day, May 6th was when I said enough's enough. Wow. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing all of that. And I think your story is unique to you, but something I always try to convey is like, this is not a unique problem. Like so many of us have had those experiences where something that started in our twenties or in college, you know, that seemed super normal because everyone around you is behaving the same way. It slowly becomes something else. And so it's like, it takes everyone different times to recognize that like, this is turning into something else. And, you know, you had that, that awakening and, and chose to actually, um, like look into it. So that's what we hope um, that maybe we can help other people do the same thing. Looking back on the drinking, um, I, you know, a lot of people say this, I'm not coining this term, but if drinking is but a symptom, what have you discovered um, as far as, you know, why, why you were over drinking? I think it's a combination of things. I, I know that, you know, like I said, in my twenties, it was just what everyone else did. And I don't think, um, at the time I was really drinking to self-soothe or, or deal with anything from the past or cover anything up. I think it was really just 
what I thought people did to have fun. And it was what was sold to me as a fun thing to do, a great thing to do when you're in your 20s. It's sexy. It's cool. It's whatever. And I was living in L.A. when everyone like, I mean, it's what we did so often. And it was just so normal and part of life. But as I got older, um, I really began to see that it was a way to relieve stress from a job where I was overworked, um, overwhelmed and like totally anxious all the time. And, and then later on, I I started working from home and I was lonely a lot, you know, and I've been single for a long time. And, and I think it was a way to cope with those feelings of like loneliness and a way to fill the quiet or, or just something to do to kind of numb those feelings. Or if I got sad about something or, you know, thinking about the past, I definitely would grab a glass of wine and zone out and numb out. And, um, and I think it was really just a combination of COVID, like the global pandemic, putting everything into perspective Um, the tornado putting everything into perspective and then sobriety, all of those things just culminated in me realizing that I wanted to truly live my life because it is so fleeting and it can be taken away at any time. And I just didn't want alcohol to be living my life for me or to be living my life with that veil. Yeah. That, you know, like living in that cave. Yeah. A hundred percent. We've heard all the the statistics and the stories about 2020 being such a year of, um, you know, rampant over drinking and binge drinking and the numbers don't lie. It's a huge problem. You know, people being stuck at home and having their kids 24 hours a day and working from home with their spouses or spending all that time alone and not being able to have interactions, you know, So that's definitely been a problem. But what I think also we're going to start seeing are the people coming out of 2020 who made the decision that you and I did. We really started Mm -hmm. to to look around and go, maybe this is like a a chance to really change. And um, so I think there's a lot more of that happening, too, that we're going to hear more about. And you see it on social media. And it's really inspiring to me that, you know, during that time of such uncertainty and chaos, like there were a lot of people who chose not to self-destruct and instead chose to, you know, go inward. And, you know, that's, that's one positive thing that I think came out of that. Let's talk about actually getting sober. I don't believe it's one size fits all. I don't think everybody has to go to AA. I don't think that everybody has to go to rehab. I don't think one thing works for everyone because we're all very different and incentivized by very different things. And so what was your sobriety plan? You know, I, I think that I'm the kind of person that when I get an idea in my head, like that I feel really strongly about, then I'm able to stick with it. And it's kind of funny. I used to drink diet soda, like every day I would have a diet Dr. Pepper. This was in in college and in my twenties. And then one day I was just like, that's bad for me. I don't want to drink diet soda anymore. And I just quit. And it was not hard. I didn't have a diet soda for like 10 years. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no, we're not here to talk about diet. Soda. I know, but yeah. <laughs> but 
just, you know, I, I'm blessed and grateful to have that kind of personality where I am able to just shut something off like that. And I know that that is not the case for everyone. And so I recognize that. Um, but I, I definitely, it was like the switch flipped for me that one day where the power got taken out literally and, you know, yeah, um, metaphorically. Nothing that coincidence. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, but I'm, I'm like you, I, I had actually started reading or listening to the audiobook of this naked mind by I'm forgetting the author. Annie Grace. Annie Grace. Yes. yes. Fantastic. Book. Um, so she broke down so many stigmas and, and just like really informed me, uh, on the nature of the history of AA. And I, I kind of, you know, I felt comfortable relying on other, you know, like support systems and people to get me through. Um, so I didn't feel like I had to go to AA meetings to, to stay sober. So that was, that was a really helpful book. Um, and then I had also started seeing my therapist again, um, for like via FaceTime and she's incredible. And, and I really did the inner work that you were talking about. Um, I started meditating every day and that was critical, like really getting my mind right and setting myself up for success. I think I had even started meditating before I got sober, like a couple of months beforehand. So I think that was a really important piece. Um, because I had, I had these other habits lined up so that when I stopped, I could continue and I had a sense of routine. So taking out the alcohol piece of it was a little bit more manageable, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. And then later on came the creative piece. Let's, let's jump into that. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Yeah. So I woke up one Saturday morning in August and I really wanted some fresh flowers. I wanted to go to the farmer's market. And, um, so I did, I just rolled up, grabbed a bouquet and I came home and they were sitting at my dining room table. And I was like, I'd like to try, try doodling these or any flowers really. So I looked up a video from Shada Campbell, who I highly recommend. She has amazing tutorials for people who are interested in doodling and painting. She's incredible and her art is so cute. Um, but I found one of her videos and what was really funny was back in February when I was drinking and, you know, kind of like, I, I was so desperate to express my creativity, but I didn't, I couldn't figure out the outlet. And so I actually had looked up one of her videos on painting flowers and I tried it with a glass of wine nearby and I hated the way they looked and I gave up. I put the paint set away. I was like, I'll never be good at this. You know, like I'll never be a painter, whatever. I'm hopeless. And then so cut to this day in August, I pull up one of her videos and I start doodling and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really cute. What I just did. How, how did I do that? <laughs> and it started that way. And I have not stopped since August. I am completely obsessed. It is a, it is totally a form of therapy for me. Um, and that voice in my head that was incessant about creating something has gone quiet 
because I'm actually doing that all the time. And it's such a good feeling. So yeah, I, I have, I'm self-taught. I have no plans to like (laughs) go back to school to study art. Um, although I would love to, I think I'm a little, I wouldn't say I'm too old, but Never, I never, really, never. I don't really want to go back to school. Yeah, so I mean, keep, keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I had this name picked out for a business for a few years now, and I had a logo created, and I just sat on it because I didn't know what to do with it. I had all these different ideas, and then all of a sudden, it made sense. So I am using the name Evelyn Rose um, for my art. I don't know what to call it, art business, (laughs) art brand. Um, And uh, yeah, that's, that's a name that I had actually picked out for my future daughter. And I thought if I borrowed it for my art hobby, that I would really be mindful of how I was cultivating that and, and really dedicate the time and energy that I think it deserves. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm sharing on Instagram under this is Evelyn Rose. And then I share on my personal account too. So, so, uh, where does the name Evelyn Rose come from? Is that a family name or what's the inspiration there? Yeah. So Evelyn was my grandma's name, my dad's mom. And she was like a second mother to me. I spent, I think every day of my childhood at her house, they lived a few houses down the street from us. Um, and I've just, I've always loved that name and I love her and I, she's, she's a guardian angel of mine, I think. And, um, and so, yeah, and I thought Rose, you know, I, I love the way that sounds homage to my love of plants and flowers. So that's so beautiful. And I love, I just love your thought process of, um, using this name because it's, something that you knew you really needed to nurture like Mm -hmm. a child, you know, I mean, nurturing our creativity is similar to the way we have to nurture our sobriety, right. To keep it, keep it alive and to grow it and help it to evolve. So I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it. Let's say, let's talk about this. What is the most, um, what's the biggest change that you've noticed in sobriety? I would say it's in, thinking clearly and seeing clearly and feeling deeply all three of those things, you know, I'm a very sensitive person and I'm always looking for the good and all of those cliches. (laughs) Um, But my, my little tagline on my Instagram is I specialize in silver linings. And I think that is truer now than ever before. And that's because I have allowed myself to sit with the dark and the light. I have, I'm no longer shying away from the shadows or numbing myself to avoid them, you know? And, and I really genuinely feel like I am living my life now where before maybe I was living someone else's version of my life or other people's version of a life, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. And now this is me. And sure, I mean, <laughs> quarantine has kept me from going out. And I, I think that 
maybe some friends might feel uncomfortable with the fact that I no longer drink and maybe that brings up some pain points for them. And, and, you know, some of my relationships are not what they used to be and I'm okay with that. You know, I feel, I feel more confident and more clear and more kind, especially to myself. And I think when I was drinking the perfectionist in me and that like nagging critical voice was so loud. Now I have her under control. She's still there. She hasn't gone away, but she doesn't control things like she used to. So relatable, I think, to so many people um, of really feeling like yourself again. I know that I personally can relate to that. And also feeling like before I was living, the, the expectations of other people were really controlling me instead of, you know, what it is I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. And so um, that's amazing that sobriety has helped you kind of sit in your power that way. And it's inspiring. It is really inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. So what advice would you give to a listener who is struggling right now? Maybe they're thinking about getting sober or currently trying to get sober. Maybe they're newly sober, a sober baby, if you will. Um, What advice would you give to them? I think kindness is so important and can be so lacking. And I would just ask you and encourage you to be kind to yourself as you go through this process Um, and just love yourself as best you can and really think critically too. You know, like if you're, if you're worried about what other people are going to say, if you use the word sober or talk about sobriety, don't, (laughs) I know that's, that's a lot easier said than done, but their opinions don't matter. Your life is your own and it's the only one you've got. So you deserve the kindness that you would extend to others and the patience and the grace and the love. And so just, just keep all that in your heart as you go through this. Yeah. 100%. Well, well said. Um, Mary, Thank you so much for doing this. I'm thrilled that I know you, Mary, is like literally sunshine incarnate. And I'm just a lucky gal that she is my friend. So I hope you guys um, get a chance to connect with her on social media. I'll make sure to link all of her um, handles below. And yeah, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kristen. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I love you too. I am so proud of you. And uh, we're going to get coffee ASAP. Yeah, we are. Okay. As Mary says, kindness is so underrated. It's cool to be kind, y'all. Most of all, remember to be kind to yourself. If you're newly sober or trying to get sober, be patient with yourself. And remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's all for today, friends. Onward we go.